from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. As the tax filing deadline approaches, we've been talking about deductions over the last couple of weeks. It's a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? They just write it off. Well, how do you know if it's best to itemize your taxes, meaning you list your individual write-offs, or take the standard deduction? It was my understanding that there would be no math. (laughs) From ABC News, here's Daria Albinger with today's tax tip. A few items of interest on itemizing. I'm Daria Albinger with today's tax tip. When it comes to deductions, you have two choices, itemize or list everything or take what the IRS calls the standard deduction. Taking the standard deduction is a lot easier for most taxpayers because it's a set amount and it varies on your status. ABC News contributor Caleb Silver, editor-in-chief at Investopedia. The thing about the standard deduction is you're entitled to that deduction even if you don't have things to deduct against it. But how much you can declare depends on your filing status. If you're single or married and filing separately, it's $12,950. If you're married, filing jointly or a qualified widow, it's $25,900. Or for heads of household, it's $19,400. You'll find more information on the standard deduction and on itemizing on the IRS website, irs.gov, or the app, IRS2Go. With today's tax tip, I'm Daria Albinger. ABC News. Tax tips are brought to you by the Neal Group. For less stress with the IRS, visit neilgroup.net, that's N-E-A-L group.net, for a free consultation. It was my understanding that there would be no math. (laughs) Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. QB watch in the NFL continues, and the biggest question remains in regards to an Aaron Rodgers trade. Which team holds the leverage, the Packers or the Jets? I'm trying to figure out who has leverage, and I've thought about it a lot, and I've looked at it a lot of different ways, and I still i am not sure, and that's really part of the problem, because if we knew who has the leverage, this would be done. Like in free agency, if the player has the leverage, right, if the player's like, let's say, the last great player at his position, then the prices go up, up, up until someone says, I'm out, and then the player gets all the money. If the teams have a lot of different options of like, all right, I could get these three safeties, for instance, then the player doesn't have leverage and he needs to take the best deal that he can. And that changes every year. That changes every year, every cycle. Yeah, yeah, got it. Right. And like good agents, good GMs, they identify the leverage and they say, here's the leverage point. Here's how I can make the best deal. I cannot figure out who has more leverage. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, trying to piece together the NFL's biggest storyline of the offseason. Still a ways to go for a trade to go down as the NFL draft is just over a month away. Over to College Hoops, where Wisconsin found themselves in a late battle once again, really the story of their season, this time at Oregon in the NIT quarterfinals with just under a minute to go in play. Wisconsin found themselves down two and in need of a big bucket. One minute to play. Chucky Hepburn open from the wing. Hepburn with the timely bucket there to give Wisconsin the 59-57 lead, and they would never look back, defeating Oregon 61-58 to secure the NIT quarterfinal victory. 
After the game, head coach Greg Gard on the slow start for his team and the resiliency to respond. It's just been one of those years with one of, like I said, with this team. They just, uh, I think I nicknamed them early in the year, Team Drama. I thought, I thought we were a little, I don't want to say intimidated, but we got looking over our shoulder after a few block shots around the rim, and I could tell Tyler was a little hesitant. Obviously, Steve getting some fouls there and got him out of rhythm in the first half. But, you know, we were getting some decent look. We just had to continue to chip away when we got down eight. And, and guys made plays, you know, and then the ability to get a stop and, you know, be able to expire the clock there at the end, too, was, was important. With the win, Wisconsin now moves on to play North Texas in the semifinals. This college basketball tournament update is brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Over to the Diamond as the Milwaukee Brewers drop their spring training game, losing to the Chicago White Sox by a final score of 6-5. to five. Despite the loss, though, Mike Brasso remains to be a bright spot for the Brew Crew. 3-1 delivery, a swing and a drive to right, center, and deep. Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Mike Brasso! And the Brewers have the lead as his hot spring continues. Bob Uecker on the call there on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee as Brasso belted his fifth homer of the spring already. Freddie Peralta did get the start going five innings, striking out six, and allowing only three earned runs. Next up for the Brew Crew is a 3-10 first pitch tomorrow against San Diego. If former President Trump were indicted and if there is a, quote, arrest that is imminent, what exactly would that look like? We'll walk you through that next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Six twenty-one on Wisconsin's Morning News. Tuesday came and went without the fulfillment of the... Prediction by former President Trump that he would be arrested. Yeah, he said Tuesday. So that didn't, didn't happen. happen. But charges are still pending, I guess is how you'd say it. Like the possibility of an indictment is still out there. Right. Is he definitely going to be indicted? No, but it appears likely because you wouldn't necessarily get this far in the process unless you were planning to indict. So I found some interesting information as to what we can expect through this whole situation uh, from Politico. So the Manhattan DA's office has brought several witnesses before this grand jury. They've offered Trump a chance to go before the grand jury. Then that usually is an indication that the office will seek to indict him if you're trying to bring in the guy that you're investigating. Now, it's possible they'll vote against charging him. However, that rarely happens. A grand jury rarely will decline an indictment. Uh, So what does this mean? Well, after prosecutors finish presenting their witnesses, an assistant DA will tell the 23-person grand jury which charges they'll be considering, and they'll read them to the text of the law. The grand jury then leaves, discusses the case, votes on it, and an indictment requires 12 or more jurors to vote yes. So they need 12 of the 23 to vote yes. If that happens, the vote then is recorded, and it's sent to the clerk's office. Now, this is more than a recommendation, right? If the grand jury decides... Then By it's, majority yes, vote, then like it's, it's happening. Indi- yeah, then charges are filed. Once the indictment is stamped, the DA's office will notify an attorney for Trump that he has been indicted. And then it's up to Trump. At that point, Trump is free to make this information public. So it may not necessarily come out. He'll, he, could, he could say, he could kind of dictate when this is all going to happen. So would he actually be arrested? We were talking about this with the mugshot and whatnot. Yeah, an arrest to me, I think to a lot of you listening, right? Arrest sounds like some cops show up and <laughs> you're like like they always do it in, in the TV shows, right? And Law and order. They show up when you're having lunch somewhere. So <laughs> What? I can't believe this. They show up, right? He's, he's at a table at Mar-a-Lago <laughs> yeah. having, having his uh, Arnold right. Palmer mm-hmm. and a... 
putting him in the cuffs, making and a, a tuna scene. melt. And he's like, <laughs> what, what, what is this? This is an outrage, right? You slap the cuffs on you and they walk you out. Ducking right? his head into the squad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, none the of that's going to happen. Yeah, that will not happen. Because the case is white collar, according to Politico, the DA's office will ask Trump's attorney when he plans to come to New York to be arraigned. So when do you think he might come up here and do this? The law doesn't require a defendant to turn himself in within a specific time frame, so the timing is flexible. And whenever he does come to New York, he and his attorney will report to the DA's office where Trump will be arrested and booked. So that means fingerprints. That means mugshot. It could even mean a DNA swab, but that's really up to the Secret Service protection on whether or not they would get into that much detail. Uh, he'll then go before a judge where the DA's office will ask for the indictment to be unsealed. It'll be possible then that he'd be handcuffed, although not likely. It depends. He'll be walking from one place to another during that time after the arrest, and then he'd plead. And then this isn't the case where even if uh, you know the indictment is handed down and he makes that initial court appearance, he's not. They're not throwing him in the slammer. No, right. No. So there again, like this is one of these things that will play out in court, but you're. I, I guess, do they set bail in a, in a situation uh, like this? The charges he is likely to face are non-bailable. Okay. So he'll be released as soon as he enters not guilty, which is what we would assume he would enter. Then the judge would set a date for his next court appearance, usually for the defense and prosecution to discuss steps. And then after his initial court appearance, Trump will most likely be able to return to his home wherever he chooses. So when would anything go to trial? Well, that could be a long, long time from now. Although the indictment may or may not be hours or days away, a conviction or even a jury getting to decide this case is still many, many months from now. In fact, that's James Sample. He's a professor at Hofstra. He says that some of the other cases that Trump is dealing with right now may actually come before the court before this one because he's got a couple other things in the hopper if you will, as far as potential indictments and charges and whatnot. There's the documents case, the classified documents found mm-hmm. at Mar-a-Lago. There's the uh, situation in Georgia, right? That's still yep. open yep. in terms of uh, whether any uh, undue pressure was placed for the president by the president on elections officials in that state. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, yesterday we heard one case where there was about 15 supporters protesting. Meanwhile, there's like 80 journalists and reporters all there trying to cover these 15 reporters who were supporting him, a few that came to, to say that he deserves to go to jail and whatnot in New York. But I found that I heard this soundbite, and this is amazing to me. This is a former vice president. This is Mike Pence discussing the idea of potential protests and whatnot regarding his former boss. The Constitution provides the right to peaceably assemble. Uh, but I think in this instance, I would discourage Americans from engaging in protests if, in fact, the former president is indicted. <laughs> that, that, that quote was said yesterday. That's where we live in now. This is the, uh, different times we're in now, and the former VP is talking about a potential indictment of the former president. Well, and then potentially that president's still running for office. Like, no one Correct. thinks that that would, even if he were indicted, that that would somehow deter his presidential aspirations. So you could have someone indicted on, on charges who's running to be president of the right. United States. All of that still possible. We wait and watch New York. Ooh, that smell. Can't you smell that smell? Deodorant update, Eric. Here at 642 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Good, good. I was wondering. So I, t- I know you were, <laughs> as were so many people who listen to the program, wondering what steps have I taken? So this is a story that I told yesterday. I bought a two-pack of deodorant from a local retailer, right? 
the same kind I always get. I open up the two-pack. One of them, fine. The other one, I, op- I open up the deodorant. So you take the top off, take that little hat that it wears, mm-hmm. right, to yeah. protect the, it's like a stick deodorant, okay? A solid, as they call it. Sure. And there's nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it had the little... That little stick thing that, that helps you. you yeah, you're supposed to crank up. on the. So that was in there, but just no product. Yeah, there's nothing in there. It's clean. I showed you the picture. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like it was once in there and it fell out or whatever. It just, whatever reason, going through the. Never inserted. The production process yeah. where it's. It didn't, it didn't get the but juice. But the cap was put on. That's right. So the one most important part in the process of putting the actual product in the packaging did not occur. So we discussed what, what should we do about that. And update on that, my wife had heard us talking about it. And I said, well, I don't really have a receipt for this. Or, you know, it's like, I can't take it back to the store. She goes, I have the receipt. Just ask me for the... I'm like, okay, well, that changes things, I guess. Oh, so you're going to go back to the store? See, no. I think I think you should send a note via email or call the company and send them a picture and say, hey, what's going on here? Right. Best case scenario, if I take it back to the store, best case is, first of all, I've now had to go to the store. Mm-hmm. I walk in there with my thing. I find my receipt. You, you know, have to like, explain it. Right. And then they go get a manager. Or so I don't know how the that teenager works, right? <laughs> working there. Yes. <laughs> best case scenario, I get another one and it's replaced. Best case. Mm-hmm. I think best case scenario, if I contact the company, let them know I'm a loyal user of your product. I enjoy your product. I've had this happen to me. What, what happens next? And maybe they'll get a nice care package with like four or six of those in there. Yeah. Six pack, maybe a duffel bag, yeah. a shirt, a oh, visor. Swag. Well, not running around. Headband. How awesome would that be? You got a new headband to wear. If I come you... in here all, all swagged up in my deodorant wear. <laughs> so I found the thing online. You can call. There's an 800 number on there. I don't like to call people. So I think I'm going to do the online thing. You, ask, you answer a series of questions. Uh, please tell us the reason for your inquiry. I have a question. Or you can check, I have a concern. Okay. So what do I have? I have a concern, right? Please give us some more details. Choose an option. It's about the business or brand. It's about a product. Yeah, product. It's about a product. Okay. Then your details. Okay, name, address, all that other stuff. You got to get that picture in there Product details, code. Picture. Oh, it has a thing. Pictures or attachments. Perfect. Perfect. Send them the picture that I posted. Take a couple of pictures so they can see the whole thing. Right. If you want to see it, I, I posted on my Twitter and my Facebook <laughs> as well. And I'm not calling did out the brand. Him? I'm not no, because I don't I don't want to go like I'm not trying to publicly shame them on social media. That is not my play here. But I did want folks to be able to see what is it that we're talking about. It's empty. It's clean. I think best case actually you won't get the duffel bag. You'll get like a coupon. If you tag them on social media though, you might create more. Well, that's that's, that's pretty aggressive. That's my trump though. card so though, right? Yeah, I'll use it if it. I have to, but I don't I don't want to bring out the big guns yet. I would. If it's free, it's for me. <laughs> Army guy. Right Just go and shoot. And if you got it, use it. 645 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Despite a roller coaster season, Wisconsin basketball is moving on. Max Klesman dropped 18 points and guard. Chucky Hepper nailed a three-pointer with under a minute to go to give the Badgers the lead and eventually the win as they defeat Oregon 61-58 in the NIT quarterfinals. With the win, the Badgers now move on to face North Texas in the semifinals. Over to the Diamond, where the world has crowned a new champion as Japan, behind their brilliant pitching, defeated Team USA in the final round by a final score of 3-2 to claim their third title. And finally, over to the NBA, where... The Milwaukee Bucks look to keep pace in the Eastern Conference playoffs 
race with only 11 games remaining in their regular season as the San Antonio Spurs come to town. The Bucks currently set atop the East with a two-game lead over the Boston Celtics. Tip-off is set for 7 p.m. tonight. You can catch full coverage right here on WTMJ beginning at 6.30. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's morning news. Here's Brendan Snide. The Bucks currently hold the NBA's best record, and despite not being healthy most of the season and staying drama-free, this well-oiled machine in Milwaukee keeps on churning, with Giannis, Drew, and Chris Middleton having combined to miss 71 games this season due to various injuries. The Bucks just have not skipped a step, and you may sit back and ask yourself, how is that possible? Well, the starting lineup and rotations have been in flux over the course of, let's say, the roughly six months. But one thing, one thing has remained constant for this team. Head coach Mike Budenholzer, since joining the Bucks in 2018, Coach Bud has won 264 of his 380 games. That's equal to winning almost 70% of the games he has coached in. That's not too bad. He has provided a winning environment, has allowed his players to play where and how. They are comfortable. The, quote, play random phrase we hear multiple times after or before games means more to this team than we even may realize and it has allowed guys like Javon Carter and Brooke Lopez to have career years. And I know I can I can already see it now on Twitter and Facebook. You're going to come after me. I'm fully aware the Bucks have a Giannis and a Drew and Cash Money Middleton, but many good, even great coaches have been unable to lead star-studded teams to winning success, especially at a 70% rate. Why can we blame coaches for bad teams with good players on it, but when a team is good, it's only because of the players? Make that make sense for me, please. And certainly, the players should get some of the credit, obviously, but the head coach deserves your attention and maybe more of your appreciation, too. Real quick, before we end this, I just need to get this off my chest, too. Stop going to Twitter to blame Coach Bud for every loss. Players play, coaches coach. It's not always going to be one side or the other. You don't necessarily have to like him or approve of his lineups or rotations, but head coach Mike Budenholzer is arguably the best coach in the association and deserves much, much more credit than he currently receives, both locally and nationally. At 6.53 on this Wednesday morning, four deaths of inmates at the Milwaukee County Jail since just this summer. MPD under increased scrutiny for the death of a man in a holding cell after he was arrested. It's prompted calls for transparency and reform. Dr. Ken Harris, our teammate at 1017 The Truth and former Milwaukee police lieutenant, is with us this morning. Ken, we were talking yesterday. You told me you used to run the jail inside MPD. That sounds like a really tough job, and I know staffing is a problem in corrections in general. That has to be a hard job. I was the supervisor there where you sat at the desk and everybody in and everybody out had to come past you and you had to determine, you know, are we going to watch this person? Are we going to watch them, you know, every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes, all those types of things. So do you see something systemic here? Is there a problem or did we just run into a number of situations here that, and unfortunate as they may be, maybe aren't anybody's fault? I don't know how to say this. Jails? like hospitals, don't deal with the healthiest people. So if you come in and there's already an issue, bad things can happen. I don't know if four is a big number, but more people die in hospitals where they have medical experts who are supposed to keep you alive 
and don't. I don't see us protesting at the hospital, but at a jail where we have maybe one, the nurse, maybe two, and zero trained medical people, we complain about four. That's that that seems unreasonable. And and we're holding the jail to a standard that no one can handle because we don't get the best, healthiest, wealthiest people in jail. What are the standard ops usually for something? I do when an inmate comes in who may or may not have a medical condition or has struggled with addiction or whatnot. Are there policies or guidelines in place for how often they need to be checked? Everybody's screened. Yeah. So no matter what, at the jail, everybody's screened. At the Milwaukee Police Department, Greendale, Wauwatosa, everyone is medically screened. We ask you those questions. We can't go on, well, they might be lying to me, so I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, take them to the hospital. You can't do that in every instance. Yeah. But they're trained enough to know as a first responder, you know, your eyes don't look right. You're not breathing right. Let me call an ambulance. Now the two cops, knuckleheads, who decided well, we're just going to lie and say we checked them and we didn't. You know, there's so much. There's so many cameras and electronic equipment and all those things to check. I've been new on the job. And, you know, you went from I'm on a squad car one night. I'm Booker and then I'm Booker and then I'm Booker and then I'm back. So you do it enough where you get to know the importance of that job. You have policy to follow. But it's not easy because every 15 minutes or so, you have to wake someone up from a sound sleep to make sure they're okay. You know, and I think you raise an interesting point. You're not suggesting that there's not sometimes some culpability on people who do screw sure, up. And sure. clearly what you're indicating here is if that happened, there ought to be a pretty clear trail. Right. But if you start getting people who are dying in the same way, for instance, the people who are culpable in the Milwaukee County Jail because they cut off the water. Right, right, right. And people started, you know. Dying. Well, that's a problem. Can't take your medication, things like that. So, where, do, where does this ultimately lead? Because there are calls for transparency. What does that even mean in terms of what people are seeking, as far as you know? They want to know what's the standard operating procedure and you know, what is going on inside there. All of that is available through open records. Just get a copy and read it. The issue comes where we have to recognize the people that go to jail are usually. Not the best people in the world who take care of themselves. Not and I'm healthy. not saying that in a negative sense, but, you know, some of them are drug addicts. They don't take care of themselves. Poor health. Things of that nature. You think the, the new sheriff should get in front of this at all? Get in front of what? I don't know. Like, what Say am I getting anything? in front of, of someone else? I can't control when someone else passes away. I can't control or watch. And I don't have enough deputies to be there 24 hours a day in every cell to watch everybody. It's, it's just humanly impossible. And so when you're held to a standard that no one can fulfill, those same people aren't marching at the hospital where people died. Like, why aren't we marching there where we know doctors have killed people and then went to another state and got a license and just got another job and and the, the white wall of silence covered them? Why is it okay for them? When we literally have a woman who committed suicide, unfortunately, things like that, you, you can't stop a person from doing what they decide in their mind and heart they want to do. Dr. Ken Harris, our teammate at 1017 The Truth. You can listen to him on the afternoons right next door. Thank you, sir.